Getting to You Recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here we go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Plotline Podcast. My name is Jeremy Tunnell, and I'm with my co-host. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jerry Balarosa Tunnell. Welcome. And this morning, we've got a very exciting conversation uh, with Mr. Marshall Lefferts, who is the founder and director of the Cosmometry Project, board member of the Resonance Science Foundation, and former president of the aforementioned foundation from 2006 to 2019. He's also the, a, a faculty member with the Resonance Science um, uh, Foundation's Resonance Academy, which I am an ongoing student of. And Marshall was an associate producer of Thrive, What on Earth Will It Take? As well as the visual effects co-director of the follow-up film, Thrive 2. If you have not seen either of those films, head over to thriveon.com and check those out. He is the co-director of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution and a lifetime member of the Buckminster Fuller Institute and the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. It should also be noted that Marshall is an accomplished musician and music theorist with an album available through Spotify, Apple Music, and other platforms called Mystery of the Soul, Mystery of Souls. His book, Cosmometry, Exploring the Hollow Fractal Nature of the Cosmos, is an incredible journey into understanding the nature of reality and interconnectedness of all things. More information on it can be found at cosmometry.com, and we'll be going through it here today. Marshall, we're very excited to have you here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jeremy and Jerry. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and I look forward to, to diving into some uh, far-ranging and relevant topics to the times we're in. Awesome. Let's uh, let's start with um, with you know because this is an ongoing conversation between Jerry and I. Um, let's start with how do you you end up being a person who um, who doesn't just go get a job and work for a living and slug it out, you know, with a, you know, get up, shower, shave, get to your commute kind of life. Like what, <laughs> what drives you to what you seek? Uh -huh. Yeah. Good question. Um, I, it, my, my journey started quite early in that regard. When I was 19 in my first year of college, um, I had what I call a frying pan over the head, waking up experience one night that um, it just popped me into a, a state of awareness where I, I knew something was different. And um, I, I didn't fully know what that was, but I knew that something had been activated in me. And, um, and then shortly after that, in terms of what was really seminal to, to the initiating of the path I've been on since then, um, a couple of things happened. I studied Aikido and Aikido gave me a sense of the, the key energy, the, uh, the nature of the relationship of the body and the mind to coordinate with that key energy and, uh, and a really powerful foundational sense of being in that regard, as well as a, an awareness of this Taurus dynamic, which is very, fundamental to the holofractal model that we'll talk about. Uh, so very at that you know, age of 19, that got very strongly seated in me. And then um, a few months later, I um, 
I decided to, to, I wanted to read a book and I hadn't been much of a reader before then in my life, but I went back to my parents' house at that time. And in the library was a book called Intuition by Buckminster Fuller. And I thought, well, that's kind of, um, sounds familiar. And I started reading it and it just, just blew my mind open big time. And it really gave me a sense of uh, a couple of things, why I was not happy in school and why I really did not enjoy the academic experience as it was. Um, and that there are, there's an alternative perspective that can be pursued, which you guys are very familiar with called, you know, the whole systems comprehensivist as Buckminster Fuller called it, instead of a specialist becoming a comprehensivist and like, well, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> you know, whatever that is, I'm, I, that's where I want to go. And then, <clears throat> and then also Bucky, of course, was a very broad ranging visionary futurist, innovator, inventor, explorer, researcher, uh, and artist, and was and had dedicated his life to, to see what one man could do on behalf of all of humanity and all life. And so he had this very broad view about the times we're in and could see the, the crisis coming and was really doing all he could to, to help raise awareness, to, to guide people into a a whole systems way of, of approaching his anticipatory design science methodology. And, um, and for me, it, it, it gave me a picture about life and this time and this transitional time we're in at an early age so that I, for, it, it put me in a state of awareness where the J-O-B life that you described, <laughs> you know, going in that direction was really not an option because to me, that was not going to be where whatever was going to be my life path was not going to take place there. I didn't know what yeah. my life path was going to be. That was a lot of discovery has been and still is. Um, and so I just, uh, I just have been weaving a, a more alternate way of, um, experiencing the journey and fortunately i've been blessed to participate and meet you know nassim herman and foster gamble along the way and i i, I had earlier experiences in my life um, through kind of a vision quest uh, approach that illuminated and opened my awareness to to the patterns in nature and so i got very interested in that aspect of discovery and with you know Bucky Fuller's synergetics and the patterns of nature, and then I met the Simon Foster, who are both steeped in the same foundational knowledge, and have been blessed to be able to collaborate with them over the years. Um, and so it's it's yeah, it's, I feel very fortunate that uh, these kinds of experiences have come along. And when we say yes to our passion, that's what happens. And I'm sure you guys know that very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely something. I, I'm, it's an ongoing lesson. You know, ongoing. Uh, yes, ongoing. Yeah, Marsha, you said some things that just uh, resonated with me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that whole thing, pan on the head in the middle of the night kind of thing, right? To me, it's like that's um, so. Born and raised in Hawaii, I have a very strong indigenous lens, and so I come into I come into the work with with that lens. And when I have that spark at three o'clock in the morning, that's the ancestors saying, "Hey." 
you've got some shit mm. you need to do, right? And then also <laughs> with the uh, with the Aikido, um, I'm an instructor in the Wing Chun system. So the redirection mm. of energy and how when energy comes towards me, feeling that energy, right? In Hawaii, we call this energy mana. And it okay. is it exists within everything that is alive around us. And so just resonating with that and and that life path where um, I just I just uh, um, defended my dissertation. I I'm, I was with the California Institute of Integral Studies, and my doctorate mm. is in transformative studies and consciousness. I couldn't find myself mm. in a traditional school in a, tra a traditional um, institution because it was it was too narrow for me and yeah, every time I right. would like think about how um, processes and policies and everything was was put together and how we would have to wake up in the morning and go to a job and do all of these things my mind would would go beyond the boundaries that was placed on me and I would find myself feeling very constricted and so I needed to find a place where I could feel alive and be able to step in between the nuances and the abyss of systems and designing systems. Because, you know, I mean, in our world, we, we talk a lot about systems change and we need to, we need to change the system or the system's broken. And I'm like, the system's not broken. The system is doing exactly what the system was designed to do, whatever that mm -hmm. is. So yeah, what um, you were saying was just uh, resonating with me in, in mm -hmm. that course of life. <laughs> yes. So thank you for yes. sharing that. <laughs> You're very welcome. I, I, I can tell from the little we're you know, beginning to get to know each other and what I've learned from your website and, and discussion with Jeremy that yeah, you, you've been in a similar journey because <laughs> in order to even go down this path, you have to have had an, uh, uh, an awakening, so to speak, of a state of awareness that does incorporate the wholeness into everything that then gets viewed and um, analyzed and pursued, which is both a systems, a systems level and then the the, the the holistic unified synergetic um, yes. aspect of it that goes beyond the system itself and and to hold all of that in, in our awareness is um yeah it's it's i was going to say it's an interesting challenge but it's not necessarily a challenge it's a uh it's just a different perspective to hold in in the world that we live in um, so yeah. yeah yeah it's cultivating a, a new paradigm for oneself I mean, the mainstream paradigm that, that that we live in wants to cultivate a linear or a deconstructionist, you know, if, if you've had an opportunity to go maybe to college, uh, critical thinking deconstructionist point of view. And that works really well for um, hierarchical capitalistic systems that are utilizing a, a fiat currency in order to pay for things that they're digging out of the ground to burn. That system doesn't work real well for people. You know, it, it, it leaves us kind of hanging. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's incomplete. It's yeah, and it's and it's inherently fragmented and and uh, has the distortions of that fragmented nature um, 
in inherent in it. So, and you know, it's it's not something that is obvious when you're in a culture that is based on that, and when yeah. you find a way to see beyond that and you know start to view from the that that more um i love it the the, the word the ecstatic viewpoint mm. you know where the word ecstatic means where you're out beyond and you're looking into something where you're you're not disconnected you're just out beyond and looking into it from an ecstatic viewpoint that um then you can see that integrated wholeness and from there do what we're going to do in this world and, yeah um I know we would all agree that that's the key to the times we're in at this time, you know, during this transitional yeah. phase and that, that old paradigm of the, the analytical linear deconstructionist approach has, it's pretty much reached its, you know, due date <laughs> shelf life, yeah. so to speak at this point. So, yeah. 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 I mean, everything, everything in our society is, is, uh, you know, all the feedback loops in our society that are trying to give us information about the condition of our um, of our cultural and social paradigm are screaming at us. It's time to change. Yeah. For me, my, I think my awakening moment, I remember very young, very, very, very young. I remember laying in bed. Um, I was probably in second grade, maybe or first grade. Um, and uh, I remember laying in bed and and I think we were I think we were just learning um, some basic mathematics, but I was trying to figure out um, how addition and uh, um, and multiplication, how, how those two things worked. And um, I, and my, um, I just kind of let my brain go. And after a while, I kind of saw beyond, beyond that, I started to kind of have these, uh, I guess, visions of geometry and, you know, and I'd never been introduced to the concept. And that was the first moment when I was kind of like, oh, wow, there's something in there. But it really wasn't until um, I was 30 and um, I found myself in a situation where I was fired from a career with a Fortune 500 company um, that I had excelled at at a very young age. I wandered into political situations that I was too naive to understand. Um, I was getting a divorce from, uh, you know, from somebody that that I shouldn't have married in the first place. I grew up in the church and was involved in 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 the church um, heavily. Um, until Easter Sunday, the pastor decided to do a delivery message saying he will no longer be there. And everybody in the congregation suddenly was like, it's an affair. Those moments, which all happened at the same time, those moments made me go, this whole paradigm I'm living in sucks. This doesn't work. Everything I built my foundation on just fell apart. I'm done. And, um, and so I walked away and Jerry and I met not long after that and started, you know, uh, both of us kind of started um, this journey together. She had just become um, a Sifu, a Kung Fu master um, uh, with, um, uh, with, Ving, with Wing Chun. And um, I think we watched, we watched um, Matrix. We watched. The no, no, it wasn't. The, yeah, we did watch the Matrix, but it wasn't the Matrix. It was that. Uh, it was that. It was that. Um, I don't remember what what the what the bleep do we know? That's what it oh, was. Yeah, yeah. It was what the bleep uh, do we yeah. know? And the two of us yeah. sat there, which, yeah, looking back, you know, it's got some holes in it. But um, but the, but what we did is the two of us sat there and we we kept writing down 
the names of the um, of the physicists and the and, and you know and the thinkers that, that were there, and we just started digging. And we totally um, geeked out at that moment. Totally geeked out. <laughs> yeah. And then Great. and then in two in two thousand nine, we found um, Nassim's work, and um, and then I think you know Jerry uh, gave me for Christmas way early on, maybe 2012, maybe 11, um, whenever it opened up the resonance, um, uh, uh, Academy, mm -hmm. you know, for Christmas yeah. or something. And, and then, yeah. And then, and then we, we started at, at Antioch with the whole systems program and it all just kind of connected. And yeah. so, and so now it's been a decade of the two of us kind of, um, working to try and figure out how do we, how do we, bring people out of their, of their paradigm and, and meet them where they're at and, and, and walk them down the road of this interconnected uh, reality that we live in. It's mm. kind of where it started. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, you guys probably have uh, some really valuable insights into answering that question, being that you are um, directly involved in doing that with um, the people you're consulting with. And I'm, I'm curious to hear from you, actually, because um, I've been more, I, I tend to, to reside in the big picture um, perspective. And, you know, hence I wrote my book and helped develop the Resonance Academy and the Thrive Films. And, you know, like, let's get the, the foundations of this knowledge and this paradigm out there in whatever ways you know can be most beneficial and um i haven't really been in the process of the more like get out there in the world and work with existing systems and structures and beliefs and and see how to make the bridge there and i'm, I'm curious if you might have like this few like salient points from your experience having like gone from how do we take a perspective that in, in many ways, my experience of, of holding this awareness is that it's, I, I call it like a, it's activating the holographic mind. You know, there's something that has to get turned on that is not linear. It's not a instruction manual. It's, it's like more of an aha, more, more like a revelation of understanding that just has to emerge. Of course, that can be brought about with the help of the kinds of resources that you know we, we are using and are available. And yet there's that moment when it just it just has to sort of emerge. Uh, so I'm curious if you on. have any sort of salient points in, in your experience around how that bridging is uh, best achieved or, or how it's going, you know, all that. Jerry, what do you think? Um, well, it's like I, that's a that's a great question. You know, I mean, when when we did get into this work, I came from this very linear perspective where it was, you know, um, this is what's going in, this is what should be coming out. This is the this is what I'm giving you. This is a theory I'm giving you. This is what the outcome should be. And then in the midst of that, is like, oh shoot, wait a minute, hold on. 
It's not happening that way. I can give I can give people information, but how they receive the information, how they process the information is going to be dependent on all of the different narratives and stories and experiences that they've had from the past. And so being able to meet them, you know, where they're at and moving them is is realizing that um, energy can be can be manipulated. It can be moved. It could be something that if we're if we know how to and, and, and to me, that's just a sacred place to be. Right. Um, so when we're in dialogue, I always bring in aloha. And we look at, you know, aloha, of course, means hello and goodbye and love and compassion and empathy. But when we're engaging in information or an exchange of information, alo is forward facing and ha means breath of life. And so when we look at that energy and when we look at the words that actually, you know, I mean, there's energy that carries our words to the individual is being very intentional, purposeful and transformative in how, how am I, how am I transferring this sacred information and energy? And so it's asking people what things that I'm going to say, especially around, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and climate change, that people are going to be activated, right? Their somatic response is going to activate to something that I say. And so I let people know that if there is an activation of your autonomic nervous system in this moment, I want you to stop and pause and ask yourself, where is this coming from? And try to go back and think, what is it? Is it my words that's activating you? And why is my words activating you? Because sometimes if it is a place where it's like cognitive dissonance sets in, then to me, that is an unhealed part of yourself that is happening within you. And so I take the moment to pause and have people actually journal and write things down. And Jeremy and I talk about self-awareness, self-regulation, and um, why am I? And self-reflection. And, and, and self-reflection. And self-reflection. Yeah. And to stop mm -hmm. in that moment. And so when mm -hmm. we, when I'm looking at individuals or I'm working with organizations, and I can see on how they're either going to lean in for more information, they're going to pull back, mm they're going to cross their arms, they're going to start doing other things. To me, that is an energetic shift that has happened. Mm -hmm. And that is when I tap into that energy. And I talk to people about mana and ki and chi and prana. And a lot of times we feel so disconnected from that. So I have people take a breath and come back to that, come back to that, to that place where you feel activated. And sometimes, mm -hmm. oh, Marshall, it could go deep. It could go deep, right? Because people start thinking back on where did it come from? And I always tell people that this is where you have to pause because sometimes you can find yourself running down the rabbit hole and without the self-awareness and a self-regulation, you could get lost in that. 
And when you can get lost in that, then you have all of these other emotions that come about, this anger and the despair, and you no longer want to engage. And so it's being aware of the, the impact of the energy that you have. And that's one of the ways, that's one of the aha moments where I realize on how important um, energy is and how sacred it is. Mm. Yeah, beautifully I, shared. I can feel that. Yeah. I also think one of the things we do is we try and um, when we're talking systems with folks, we introduce them to the idea that um, we talk about systems change all the time. Um, you know, we, it's a water cooler conversation. But the reality is, is that um, changing policy, procedure, presidential candidates, uh, you know, people in, in office, whatever the case might be, these are technical fixes. These aren't system changes. And, um, and the only true way in order to create systems change is, um, is, is through the leverage point that you have available. And that leverage point is this way. It's not this way. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not outside yourself. It's inside yourself. And so when we're focusing on self-reflection, self-regulation um, and self-awareness and trying to cultivate in them is that, that um, how did you describe it? The hollow fractal mind? Is that what you said? You know, um, that, that's actually probably a better name. I said holographic, but I actually like it's more, more appropriately a hollow fractal mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like what we're trying to do is we're trying to turn that on. In my mind and from, from my experience, I think that that kind of has to happen it can happen a whole bunch of different ways. Right. But, but um, getting, you know, one, getting them to recognize that this voice in their head is, you know, it's not necessarily them, you know, that, that um, if they can become aware of, of it, then, then, you know, begin to interrogate it. The guiding principles of Aloha that Jerry wrote into her dissertation, you know, this idea of Aloha, you know, forward facing breath of life, sharing that. Um, so if we can activate it, then we can introduce these deeper ideas. And it's so powerful too. I always ask people, you know, it's like, um, you know, when we're, when we're like at work and we're just like kind of like running around every single day, I said, how do you feel that moment when you just step outside and away and you just take that breath of fresh air? And they're like, well, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I said, okay, so now you're connected to the cosmos. They're like, wait, how did I just connect to the cosmos? I'm like, you just connected to the air. You connected to the vibration of nature that is all the way around us. I said, mm -hmm. you know, what is your, where do you go? What is a, where, where do you find healing in nature? People say they have, they go to the trees. I go to the water and I'm like, and what do you like about that? They're like, well, I said, what time of day do you like to go? I like to go in the morning when the, when there's dew on the leaves and it's misty. And I'm like, I like to go at sunset when I see the sun that is just about to set and things are starting to calm down. I can feel my body just calming down. And I'm like, well, do you not all think that there's a connection to the nature around us? Now let's go a little little deep for you know go a little further what happens if you're sitting next to a water that is polluted with chemicals where is that going right does it go downstream who lives downstream and i can keep going and going and going but it's a it's such a it's a beautiful process if we're if we allow ourselves to be open to that 
Mm. Beautiful. Just to say I lived on the big island for four years, so I have a, a taste of what the aloha spirit and presence is. I can't say I'm steeped because, you know, it takes a lot longer to really get in there. But, uh, wow, such a special time in my life. Yeah. Which part of the island did you live on the big island? I was in the South Kona. Oh, nice. Down, okay. Uh, down by Kealakaku Bay and yes. that whole area. Mm-hmm. Kona beautiful. now. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. We, like, we, like, uh, we like the big island a lot. Uh, it's yeah. uh, what a place. It's a pretty great place. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when you were with, um, is that when you were serving as uh, president with the um, Resident Science Foundation? Yeah, it, it, it began um, in 2006 when uh, the SIM was setting up a facility on the Big Island, um, had a sponsor there. And so we, we were literally building buildings, homes, offices, laboratory. Um, uh, so I, I helped. I wasn't full time into that process, but um, I, um, I was co-director of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution with Barbara Marks Hubbard. Um, mm-hmm. And the, you know, the co-director was Teresa Collins, who um, I don't know if you know her yet, but uh, she's, she's presently um, co-founder of the Global Coherence Pulse, which is a really wonderful mm-hmm. monthly offering um, that you can check into. And, um, and so she, she and I uh, moved there together at that time and uh, just, just immersed in both um, working with Nassim and the team to help set things up for that phase of his research. And, um, mm-hmm. and then just uh, you know, immersing in the water, like you were just saying, Jerry, you know, just the elements there. And it's a, it's a powerful place to experience just what you're talking about because it's, the, it's really the most intense place I've ever lived. Um, because of that volcanic, fiery, under, you know, foundational undercurrent and not even under, it's like in your face, uh, even just <laughs> the right lava <laughs> itself that's there, you know, you're like, you stub your toe, you're like, oh man, this stuff is so unforgiving. And, um, yeah. and then the water and the balance that it brings and all the elements are just so strong there. So you really get such a deep visceral experience of that interconnection and that relationship to, to all of it and then that that you were talking about the self-awareness and self-reflection and self-guidance that um <laughs> you know you have to deal with it there it's just part of the energy that comes mm-hmm. up so uh, i always uh, so grateful for the experiences i had there yeah do you think uh do you think that um private um science foundations like um uh, like Resident Science Foundation, I think we can probably include um, um, HeartMath in in that. Um, do you, in this time, as far as scientific endeavor, do you think that maybe maybe they're vital to to um, having to push forward new ideas in a very stale um, Newtonian, you know, rooted scientific environment? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I've been so dedicated to, to doing what we can to advance uh, these foundational ideas from a scientific perspective. And I think those two, you know, um, examples of Resonance Science Foundation, HeartMath, IONS, um, Ions. 
you know, these, the way I, the way I see it is that we obviously are in a massive transitional time, which of course I was aware of coming from Buckminster Fuller's projection and, you know, his sense of the imminence of that uh, happening. And, and also with Barbara Hubbard, the foundation for conscious evolution, the whole idea of coming into this transition from unconscious um, evolutionary development to where we gain the power of so-called gods with the technologies we have that are so powerful once the atomic bomb became realized and everything that's now happening so rapidly, you know, with yeah, AI, the algorithm, all of it, you know, the, everything is just accelerating <laughs> and with such power that we have to become conscious and, yes. and therefore mature. Um, and so we're, you know, as, certainly have been anticipating this time and I didn't fully expect it would come flying in as powerfully as it has in these past few years. And yet it's like, well, okay, this is it. This is definitely, let's do this. It's time. And I very strongly feel, Jeremy, that, you know, your question around the, the importance and relevance of these organizations and the, the knowledge and understanding that they're bringing in to me that is the foundation of the success of the shift um, mm. without without the, the knowledge which we could we could call the holofractal model and the unified physics and the, the conscious evolution um, and all the consciousness awareness <clears throat> developments and seeing the wholeness, the integration, the <clears throat> unification of all of it, um, to me, with if that's not included in an approach to navigating through this transition and, and what's what's the outcome we're looking for, um, yeah. then it's really it's not gonna work. It's it's I, I you know, I, that's my sense. I'm not trying to dictate whether it's going to work or not. I can't tell ultimately, but my sense is that it requires bringing in this knowledge. It requires yeah. <clears throat> what I call um, both normalizing cosmic consciousness, where this expanded viewpoint of awareness, this paradigm of understanding becomes normalized rather than a, an anomaly that is emerging. Yeah. So the more yeah. we bring it into the world, the more it stabilizes and the more we then develop our systems and technologies that are in resonance with that understanding and resonance with the cosmos. Um, and that it's ultimately about the restoration of harmony through the understanding that it is all based on vibra vibration and frequency and resonance. Everything in the universe is operating in that way. And that with this understanding, we have the opportunity and the knowledge to literally restore harmony in a very um, physical sense, as well as at all other levels, emotionally, intellectually, in our social interactions and systems, et cetera, medic medical systems, all of it. Um, and that's, that's required in my view. It's, it's not the optional thing and other things that are being pursued for example i would even say like solar and wind technologies as as solutions to the climate crisis to making a shift into regenerative technologies those are still too 
to, they're coming up short, they will come up short. We actually need to really go way beyond that and look at the unified physics science and uh, the cosmometry and how that then informs everything that we're going to apply into this. So I'm, I'm yeah. very strongly, you know, of that viewpoint in, in this regard during these times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, we are too. And I, I think it speaks to what Buckminster Fuller said when he said, you know, and I'm not going to quote this exactly, but you know, you, you don't, you don't uh, change a system by dismantling the system. You change change it by building a system next to it that makes the old system obsolete. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I I know I hacked that, right. but but I got the right idea. Yeah, that, was, that was a good hack. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was a good hack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's what what the idea of this is, right? You know, the idea of this is um, is. Um, you know, with, with um, private science foundations um, and the science itself, uh, this is about. Um, uh, I love the idea that that mainstream science will suddenly wake up and say, "Oh, you know what? Um, you, you know, maybe with this uh, CERN thing, we're we're pursuing the wrong thing." And sure, we've spent so much money, but you know, I mean, maybe 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 we can, uh, you know, shift. But I think. I think money is um, is uh, so in you know insidiously wrapped into it that um, I don't know that that they're going to wake up and I and I think that that it is a matter of building a system next to it that makes the old system obsolete. Mm -hmm. All right, I think you're absolutely right, and that's just the you know the tenacity of the old paradigm that doesn't want to, you know, if you have a certain kind of power in that system, the money that can afford a CERN and the, the mission to operate that device in order to pursue a certain kind of science research, that's not something you, you're readily going to just abandon when the obsolescence is right around the corner, uh, which it is actually. Um, and yeah. with, with the Sims unified physics theory, um, it, it makes the, the need for such kinds of research not really necessary. Um, and that's very threatening. And so totally. the, the, the whole money aspect, and even in academia as well, you know, the, the past hundred years of quantum mechanical theory, string theory, and others that have been seeking this unified model um, and falling short are they're falling and falling short are you know yeah very well funded in the case mm -hmm. of like string theory which has right. you know millions of dollars have gone in, into it and not one experimental not <laughs> evidence one. of it being correct ever <laughs> and so ever. it's like okay why is that happening and then of course in academia then there's the same threat of of uh you know, the obsolescence of an academic um, career, you know, and a paradigm of, of research that becomes irrelevant once a more holistic and, and truly accurate uh, model comes in, which is what's happening right now. Um, right. So all those reasons make for a very dynamic um, process that we're in with some of that inertia as you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, are you wearing your crystal? I am. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. You know, I mean, so so string theory. Um, you know, I mean, it is the it is the it, it should be the mission. Um, I think of 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 any scientific endeavor and theory in order to um um at some point make its way to um you know to um, practical application. And um, and I think that's one of the things that is extraordinarily exciting about um, um, holofractal theory and um, uh, and and the work of the Resident Science Foundation and yourself and Nassim and 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 so many others is um, is uh, it's bearing fruit. And, um, you know, and that crystal is an example of that, you know, that, that um, here's something that, that um, you know, that I'm wearing around my neck and Jerry's wearing around her neck and it's emitting photons um, from, uh, you know, from, from the vacuum, uh, you know, so seemingly from nowhere, quote unquote, um, you know, it, it, uh, it has extraordinary, uh, extraordinary um, applications when it comes to restructuring water. Um, when it comes to the potential of uh, a plant yield. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't exactly remember, but um, I think Foster and Nassim met each other in the 90s. And and so here we are, it's 2020. And here's a practical, real um, application that can that I think can be scaled. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it can be scaled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Yeah, so um, for the listeners uh, who aren't aware of the art crystal, it's um, a, a technology that was developed by Nassim and his team. Uh, it's called, it stands for Advanced Resonance Kinetics. And it's a, um, a technology that is designed uh, for a very high level of uh, accurate crystalline structure in the quartz crystal that is in a geometric, um, very highly organized geometric pattern that is in the same geometry as, as is understood through Nassim's theory to be the structure of space itself, that zero point field that you're saying those photons are coming from, um, which is highly organized. And uh, it's a superfluid medium that has a tendency towards that zero point state, which is an equilibrium state. And that has a very specific geometry that goes back to Buckminster Fuller and his synergetic geometry, which is why, you know, Nassim and Foster, myself, and many, many others said, okay, let's look at that and bring that into the the research. And so, yeah. yeah, Vector equilibrium um, science. Exactly right. The vector equilibrium, which is the geometry of what Bucky called the zero phase, meaning that's equilibrium state where there's no fluctuation and that the universe is manifesting as it fluctuates on either side of that zero in oscillation. And that the underlying field is, uh, is in that geometry and extends. We have a wonderful animation in Thrive 2 where we show what that looks like when you extend that equilibrium geometry out and, and uh, can get again, you know, awaken a sense of, oh, I see how that's this actually could work. You know, there's a there is a there is a very foundational logic to it, and so the arc crystal is a is really just a a, 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 a device that resonates with that underlying field to create a, a coherent exchange of information, uh, which we might call photons or energy, 
and information is a, is just a, an aspect of the, the coherent coordinating nature of how the universe operates and so it it sets up uh that relationship and as well as you said it structures the water to become more informationally um efficient and that will structure the water in our bodies or in a glass of water when you put it on the crystal uh, when you water plants and all that then we start to see these beneficial effects that you you know they, they have done some great research to show that it is truly working and yes it yeah. is scalable um and you know miss him has for many years been developing what he calls the uh, the resonator. What's his long name? I don't think I can remember the full name of it right now. Um, but just the resonator, which um, is, as a matter of fact, the dark crystals are put in the room where he has this first iteration of the resonator so that it spins the field in a coherent double torus um, dynamic that then affects the the electrons and the, the whole magnetic uh, alignment of the crystalline structure and the arc crystals to make them one more level of coherent before then they they you know go out to become much what you're wearing right now um yeah so yeah this it's all and being a hollow fractal model yes it all scales as a matter of fact it's already what's going on in galaxies and suns you know all the way down to yeah. protons and everything else so yeah <laughs> it's just the beginning of a man-made model of those things yes you know? exactly yeah one of the things we so when we when we talk about um holofractal um theory um on on this podcast one of the things we um we juxtaposition with with it is cern's actually a great example so here's this multi you know I think it's beyond billions. I think it might be into the mm -hmm. trillions uh, of dollar um, machine that that um, you know is in France, and it's um, how many miles in, in? Do you remember how many miles? Uh, um, seventeen, I think it's the seventeen. Seventeen miles. Seventeen miles. Yeah. You know, underground yeah. tube where they're shooting particles and smacking them into each other and and uh, seeing what comes out of them. And uh, so that's an endeavor and a pursuit that's, you know, that's firmly um, weighted into the Newtonian model that that um, the material world is what there is and space is empty. And uh, and so all of our answers are going to be found in material in the material world. Um, hence, you know, we're naming things called like the God particle. Um, right. And um, uh, but what what holofractal. Um, uh, theory does is is it says no no the um space is actually uh what is connecting all things so um right there is the answer to you know in a most basic sense the answer to um the unified field question what connects all things um you know that that einstein began the pursuit of and we've tried to figure out for well over 100 years and not done so and now um you know we we have a a working model that mathematically works and practically works um, that one can tell us how all things are connected and two that space is not empty but in fact just in perfect equilibrium and when uh, at the Planck level in these oscillating little packets of of, uh, of information that are um, that um, can oscillate when and I'm this part I'm kind of going on riffing on when they oscillate out of um, equilibrium, we can get the material world 
Is that last mm -hmm. part correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that is right. That's yeah. That's what I was saying about that vector equilibrium geometry being that zero phase. Bucky called it zero phase because nature never stops there. It's moving through that that zero point energy and fluctuates on either side. And when it, if it if it were to to attain that state, as Bucky said, it becomes sizeless, rotationless, um, no time. You know all the all the things that we can measure, what we call dimensions that we can measure the universe, observe it with, no longer are happening because it takes so it looks empty. the disequilibrium. Yeah, so it looks empty. And it, it yeah. is the disequilibrium of that state that gets moved and you know spinning, basically, that is what is, becomes the observable universe at all scales. So yeah, that's exactly mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. And it yeah. is the space that unifies and it's highly, highly dense with energy, like just unimaginably dense with the energy potential. And what we observe, of course, in mainstream physics, they say it's only 4% of what is required to have the, the physics of the universe as it's observed work. You need dark matter and dark energy, which they haven't figured out what they are. So they, they call them dark, you know, it's just a lack of a better dark, uh, right, description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yet they know that these forces are required in order for the 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 way that the observed universe is functioning to, to do what it does um when you put that energy back in and you have that plonk field as you were describing at that scale where it's in you know virtually an equilibrium state um yet highly highly potentiated with energy um and then that starts to move then it manifests the space is literally kind of forming and bringing together the material universe instead of like the material universe being the thing and then it's empty between it it's really it's, it's the other way around you see how that great vast oceanic universal potential just is manifesting into what we see as the four percent that we can you know, directly observe so far maybe someday so we'll to observe the underlying energy um, but it's all there, co-moving and co-coordinating to create those dynamics that, you know. And the Sims, um, his theory uh, has, there's a, a paper called the vacuum catastrophe, uh, or let's see, um, it, it has to do with that, that whole idea of the vacuum, vacuum catastrophe. I can't remember the name right now. Um, that it was one of his early papers. Yeah, yeah. And it explains how using his unified physics model, you can explain these forces and, and, and put them into a logical framework, which is not too abstract. You know, uh, It's not yeah. reaching for uh, made up contrived abstractions in order to answer, you know, what is this? So, um, and, and he has also... a, a new paper. Go ahead. He has a new paper. Yeah, he has a new paper coming that uh, that should be out this year sometime. That's um, really going to be, uh, as far as I understand it, it, it it's really going to unify all the forces, all the constants, and across all the scales in, in a really simple, elegant, unified theory. And uh, uh, as far as I can foresee, it is, and, and even the Sim was saying this to me recently, that... Um, you know, this is this is really going to change everything. 
because it 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 all just falls into place. It's not yeah. It's not like like I said. It's not based on abstractions. It's very very simple foundationally. And when that happens, when suddenly there there becomes the unification at a very um, practical and formalized physics level. Yeah. Uh, it does change everything for our world. And so, um, you know, that that's really the threshold we're at at this time. Thankfully, <laughs> we need it, it is a, a graceful and elegant theory, which mainstream uh, scientists are often saying, not all of them, uh, but but, you know, um, are often saying, you know, a, a good a good physics theory must be elegant. It must be you know, simple. Right. Well, this is about as elegant and, and simple as, as you get, you know? Yeah. I want to jump so. in on this elegance that we're all talking about. Um, Marshall, I, I, I quoted you in, in my dissertation. I've used, <laughs> oh, <beautiful. laughs> I did, I've used your work. And part of it was as I was going deep into understanding the, the elegance of this energy of this mana, I wanted to ensure that it wasn't just um, an indigenous point of view, but more of a broader perspective because it exists everywhere. And so um, you talked about dynamic pulsation in, in your book. And there's one part where I actually, um, you say the more obvious evidence of this dynamic pulsation that we can see and hear is a cycle of our day, night, the ebb and flow of the ocean waves, the flutter of a hummingbird's wings and the gait of, a, of animals as they walk, the rhythm of drums and the sound of voices and musical instruments that's beating our hearts and the pulsing of our the blood in our veins. And I just wanted to, you know, I mean, it's like as I was reading your book and as I was looking at my own theories and I was bringing it together, it brought out this idea of how, um, how so interconnected we are, but how we have this idea of this disconnection. And so it's like, whenever, whenever I go out and I, I speak to individuals or I speak to organizations, I always bring it back to the pulsating of our breath, of that energy, of that, um, of the blood that is pulsing through our veins, the beating of our heart, and how it resonates with everything else around us. You know, I, I having people understand that the uh, the trees talk to each other, and how when we are in the forest, we can feel that energy, and that elegance that exists from where we stand to the cosmos is is so absolutely fascinating, but it also makes me really sad that we don't all see it that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, I mean, it's a, it, it's something that I just wanted to bring in as you, as you know, you were talking about this, uh, this elegance and this resonance and this interconnectedness and this dynamic pulsation that you spoke about in your book. Can you say more mm -hmm. about that dynamic pulsation? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it, you know, I, given all the examples that you read of what I wrote there, um, which was fun to hear because I, <laughs> I haven't read my book in a while. I'm like, wow, I like that. That's a great statement. You're like, oh, I wrote that. <laughs> it, yeah. And, and just the way it, you know, paints a picture where you see the commonality 
mm-hmm. of what is a very fundamental aspect of, of what the universe is. It's not just how it operates, it's what it is, it's pulsation and it's rhythmic cycling. And, and then it's the relationship of those dynamics to create ratios and harmonies and the combinations of which then create all the things that are uh, what we experience, including our own consciousness, because that is a, it's all part of the fluctuation pulsation dynamic. Um, You know, when we meditate and go into quiet and stillness and we let that go of that relationship to the pulsating dynamic, we can go into that beautiful stillness and experience what is underlying all that. And that the, as we were saying before, that fluctuation on either side of that stillness is the pulsation. And so really everywhere we look, everywhere we observe and experience, we find that that dynamic. And that's, that is inherent in the holofractal model uh, because the, the holographic or hologramic aspect is you could just say it's the interference patterns of those vibratory um, dynamics that have this holistic nature where the, the whole of the entire dynamic is present at every point. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, the information is contained of the whole is contained at every point and it's unified always. It's never not unified. It's never could never possibly be disconnected <laughs> ever. And, and then the same thing is with the fractal nature where that same pattern repeats at all scales um, is how it's organizing across scales. Yet it's, it is the same fundamental pulsation dynamic. And so when you observe it in nature and in our, our heartbeat, in our breath, um, it's the living experience and the living example of, of that which is occurring everywhere and across all scales. And so, it, you know, it's, it, it is the mana, you could say. It's the vitality, life force movement. Um, and and the, 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 the challenge with the disconnected, paradigm that we were all basically taught and have been immersed in a world and a a worldview that was based upon that um, has made it a challenge to have that direct experience and to come in direct relationship with that. And the, you know, the holofractal model introduces a, an ability for the mind to actually comprehend it, which mm-hmm. the mind has had historically the greatest challenge of understanding the unification <laughs> of all things. <laughs> you know, our heart, our, our emotional body, our empathy, you know, like you said, you'd be in nature and you can just open and feel and you can see it. And the mind has wanted to know it and understand it. And there hasn't been really a a model to support that. So when you bring in the holofractal model and unified model um, in the physics, et cetera, it suddenly gives a framework that allows the mind to participate and to become, you know, part of the celebration and the party, so to speak, of, 
aha, it really is that way. Wow, I'm part of it. I get it now. And it can relax and now become, you know, resonant with it all. And so um, all of that is what gets um, activated when we, when we attune ourselves, like you're saying, into the aloha, where we're breathing in as we look forward into the vitality of life just emerging from that direct knowing and the intellectual knowing as well. So that's what I would say about the, <laughs> the pulsation aspect of it. It's really, truly foundational to all of it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, it beautiful. That <laughs> is. One of the things, so we do, you know, we, we talk about whole systems, but we also talk about, um, we, we do equity work. And, um, but we do equity work from two different standpoints that I think are a little non-traditional. The first is, is we do it from a perspective of uh, personal accountability that goes back to the idea of um, uh, the only entry point into the system is here. Um, you want to change the system, you have to change this. Um, the second is, um, is um, colonization is a, is a wonderful, um, <laughs> I don't think I've used those two words together in a long time. Colonization is a wonderful <laughs> example of, a, of, a, um, of, um, of this, you know, disconnected, um, you know, it is where the paradigm comes from of the disconnected worldview. It is the, you know, the rise of, of, uh, of, you know, pre-enlightenment in Europe and the printing press and the dissemination of ideas and, you know, and, and, and then, uh, you know, the rise of, of the pseudoscience of race and, and, uh, um, and, you know, it, it's propagation in order to justify um, uh, an inherently religious group of people to do inherently horrible things. And, um, and then, you know, go out and spread across the globe, these ideas. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that these ideas are wrong or, or it's, you know, it, it is, it is not a throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of situation, right? You know, um, Plato and, and uh, um, Socrates and Newton and, and Western, um, Western philosophy um, have done great things for, um, for humanity. Um, they've also done huge atrocities and, um, and it's time to evolve. That's really the, 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 the message. It's time to evolve. And one of the things that we talk about in this work is an entry point from an equity, equity when we're talking to clients through an equitable standpoint is, if, and this is another way of kind of re, um, trying to get them to, to, to engage that hollow fractal mind, um, is to, um, we talk a lot about feedback loops. We teach what feedback loops are. And one of the feedback loops we teach is reach back to your ancestors. Reach back as far as you can, which are, you know, is probably Norwegian, French, Irish, um, but then try and reach farther. What tribe were they from? You, you can find that if you, if, if you, if you, you know, if you, if you know that, that your ancestors um, came from France, then you probably um, have some Gaelic in you. Reach back to the, your indigenous ancestors and now create a feedback loop. You, you might not be able to know their traditions. You might not be able to know their language. You, that might be hidden from you because of time and, and, uh, and personal colonization, but create a feedback loop, reach back because they will reach back and return. And, um, and the reason why, um, and, and, 
and basically what, what, what we're getting at is, is um, um, holofractal theory is indigenous ways of being. It's, um, it is, um, in many respects, colonized cultures um, reawakening to um, indigenous ways of being, indigenous ways of understanding the universe. Um, because, um, you know, we, because we, we, we let them go. We, we, um, you know, we, we held, we, we propagated the myth that, um, our indigenous ancestors, um, were poor souls who were, um, you know, wrapped in stinky furs and, and beaten against the edge of the onslaught of glaciers, you know, um, what a horrible existence. And yet they were actually teachers and doctors and you know indigenous biologists and in ecologists and you know um and we don't recognize that mm -hmm. yeah well i i like that correlation of the holofractal being a reawakening of that innate knowing i think that's very true and, and um that's been my experience of the beauty of um, you're part of the Resonance Academy and, you know, there's a community of people of all sorts that are experiencing um, this, this inner aha, this awakening of this holofractal mind. And, and it's, a, it's a means from, through which to, I think you're right, to return to what was and is, you know, an ind indigenous um, state of awareness that um, was just taught out of the culture and forgotten for a time. And um, have we've had to go through a phase of what that, the impacts of that forgetting and that somewhat deliberate um, um, strategy for the, the colonization domination um, agenda. And yet, of course, we all know that that's not sustainable. Obviously, we've reached the limits of the, that paradigm trying to succeed in that way. And so um, both through the traditional cultural indigenous methodologies uh, that are also emerging rapidly around the world at this time, and the scientific model that meets it seamlessly and yep. unifies, you know, both hemispheres into um, to, to the unified understanding. That's and that's what's that's what's required because really one without the other, like you can get it in the mind, but if you didn't get it here yet, you know, and you're still doing that thing <laughs> to, to 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 achieve your goals. Okay, that's just intellectual. And if you've only got here and you haven't figured out how to apply it into the world in pragmatic, you know, highly technologically innovative ways, especially at this this threshold we're on, where it's critical we do so, you know, um, then you still have um, the challenges that could not meet uh, in, you know, without the solutions to meet them. So when you have both, then I think that's a beautiful description of, of the merging of the indigenous with the, the holofractal as being one in this same. Um, I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, 
I think that, you know, that's why I became a uh, trainer in the Institute of Heart Math Practices, was being mm -hmm. able to exist in both worlds. I could still show up as my indigenous self, but with the science and the data and the technology mm -hmm. that needed to move my people forward away from this place of um, domination to this place of healing, which was really important. And, you know, not um, vilifying one or the other is bringing, bringing these philosophies together so they can create this whole. And you're right, you can't have one without the other. And so there's this understanding, this thread where I feel that's where the aloha comes in and the heart work that, you know, that both Jeremy and I do, it, it ties it so well together. It's a thread that ties everything that we do and to still show up as my Pacific Islander Polynesian indigenous mm -hmm. self and also mm -hmm. understanding that within me, I have both the colonizer and the colonized and being, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not able to tear myself apart in this instant, but to bring myself holistically into, mm -hmm. into spaces. And so mm -hmm. it's a, it is, it, is a, it is a process for both sides because when I do show up in a room, this is how I show up. So indigenous people, brown and black people have the tendency to look my way and be like, oh, I wanna listen to her. I wanna hear what she says. But in that position, I, I also understand my responsibility to bringing the, my whole self into it by also talking about westernized science and practices and philosophies that can bring us together as a whole. And so that's where Jeremy comes in, where he steps in. And I, sometimes I have to, um, I feel like I have to uh, soften it first because right now, especially <laughs> in our society, right? It's like having a cisgendered heterosexual male show up, all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's another white guy talking to us, right? And so then there's that dissonance that sets in. So I've mm. got to lay the, lay the foundation of, Aloha mm. and heart work and bringing the work of heart math on the, you know, looking at the axis of the whole heart as a Taurus as well too, right? Mm. So, um, and then bringing everyone in to the journey. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like magic. <laughs> there is magic to it, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's yeah. the synergetic aspect of the whole thing is, you know, the unpredictability. And yet, yeah. it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is what our ancestors would have called magic, you know, um, and they were engaging with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think a Roland McCready, um, he talks about how the um, energy of our thoughts, our words, and our actions uh, create this uh, uh, frequency that intertwines with everyone else's energetic field, right? And so mm -hmm. everyone's Taurus is um, distinct, but at the same time opened and connected to everybody else in this endless right, sea exactly. of infinite energy. How beautiful mm -hmm. is that? I wanna bring this yeah. beauty out to everybody, right? <laughs> Absolutely, it's so beautiful, beautiful. And, and yeah, and it just, it's interesting the point you made about 
having to soften some of the the biases and the projections and the cultural you know the the memes of what's happening in our culture as it's trying to reconcile identity and uh, and you know inequity and morality and um, in while in a process I believe of of having to by some necessity transcend a lot of those perceptions and projections to, in order to get beyond this phase of our conscious evolution where you know there's there's a certain immaturity in all of that yeah. like you need Absolutely. to soften it so so the 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 man can come in and do his scientific thing you know without being projected on that he's that represents that whatever that is you know mm -hmm. <laughs> right. so that's all like massaging it and so that it makes it okay ultimately you know we are in a process of um i, I also like to think about i i think from my understanding there's a there's an inevitability of the full realization that we're not the only ones here in the universe and yes. that there there is a um likelihood that that reality is i mean there's certainly been more disclosure in recent years from sources that you know people like to think are authoritative <laughs> beyond those who have already been talking about it for a long time um and and um with that when that becomes true or and when humans through understanding the uh through the unified physics theory we now can understand how do you make gravity go in that direction rather than in this direction and when you can do that now you can have propulsion and travel that goes off the planet so i like i often like and to think about way. what happens to our identity when we leave this planet and we go and interact far away on a whole different scale of reality and then we look back and all these things that are so important to us on this planet religions and philosophies and social you know projections and identities become very localized you know mm -hmm. they just sure exist do. on this cute little planet over here and uh, and it's <laughs> very relative to uh, an experience that we make so much out of right now I think that's to me that's all part of what I you know that mentioned earlier that normalizing of cosmic consciousness when you yes. start to bring that awareness in now to to help the process of getting beyond some of those dynamics um I I like to think that's happening as well sometimes it's not so obvious out there in our world but um but I think it's I think that the tide is rising in that way as well I think so too I you know I think uh we very lightly, um, you know, when we get into some of the material that, that we teach, um, we'll, we'll simply make a, a statement that, um, you know, what may have been once thought as woo-woo um, now has scientific grounding. And, um, and but, but we don't really go much beyond that because, um, because it's just, you know, um, it, to normalize it, you've got to speak about it as if it's normal. And mm -hmm. um, and you got to speak about it in, in environments that are perceived as normal. I think it's a matter of having that dialogue and and um, and introducing those ideas of cosmic consciousness in ways that um, that are uh, that are just like, well, this is just the way 
This is just the way it is. You might not be aware of it yet, but, but this mm-hmm. is the way it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. I want to read something to your book. Um, you know, I think we, we got a little bit more time and uh, before we wrap up and I, I want to talk a, a little bit about cosmometry before we do. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I want to read the, I want to read this, this poem in the beginning. There is only one light in the universe. There is only one sound in the universe. There is only one magnetism in the universe. There is only one electricity in the universe. There is only one gravity in the universe. There is only one matter in the universe. There is only one hologram in the universe. There is only one intelligence in the universe. There is only one consciousness in the universe. There is only one love in the universe. There is only one song in the universe. There is only one thing going on in the universe. This book is dedicated to that one thing. So you open the book and 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 you start laying some groundwork. Um, and for those folks on on video, this is this is the book. And you start laying the groundwork and you start talking about um, holofractal theory and and um, uh, and you 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 dive um, in beautiful ways. Uh, and you land this book. And this is kind of what Jerry was talking about, but you land this book by um, by literally on the runway of that poem that you started with, right? This idea about um, time and space and um, rhythm and um, sound and and um, and then you dive into music and then color, um, in particular. Um, you know, you've got, you, you quote this uh, January 18th paper entitled K, K2138 system, the nearest resonant chain of five subnewtonian planets discovered by citizen science, which was published in Astro, the Astrophysical Journal. Five planets that are um, transiting, uh, transiting days forming an unbroken chain of near 3-2 resonance. All of these planets have orbital periods that are in near perfect fifth ratios of each other. That, I mean, and that's just one tiny example, right, of, of, <laughs> of um, you know, of when, we, when we're looking out into the universe and we apply this, this, this paradigm to it, what we're seeing is we're seeing resonance that is not reminiscent of, but is music. <laughs> that's, that's, yes. that's an incredible idea. It, yeah, it, it, it's an incredible idea. And I, I think once we really embrace it, it becomes very obvious, you know, and that it's a little humorous that it's taking a while to, to really get that in some ways when uh, for quite some time we've understood that the whole thing is a vibrat- vibratory resonating system. And uh, that, as I, I write in there, that we humans didn't dis- we didn't discover music, or we didn't um, we didn't invent music. We discovered music. Right. You know, we we can invent with music, but we did not invent it. It's a system that innately exists that was figured out, and of course, there are a whole range of varieties of how to slice and dice that system that become all the cultural music, uh, ethnic music modalities around the world 
uh, and yet fundamentally there's the, the harmonic structure and the basic ratios uh, like the octave which is the doubling of frequency and the fifth which is the three to two ratio and and beyond that um, truly and literally in form bring into form uh, from you know the, mm. the quantum fluctuating dynamics to the atomic elemental dynamics up into our bodies which have the frequencies in the organs and the whole rhythmic pulsations as we were talking about before and up into the dynamics of uh, seasons and the planets the planets rotating around orbiting around the suns and stars and the you know the solar systems that organize innately um, and one of my uh, great teachers in this understanding, Richard Merrick, who I quote a lot in my book, from his book called Interference, a, a grand musical scientific theory, I think is the subtitle, really explains how, how that dynamic works and why it works that way. And then all of a sudden you realize, boy, that informs everything. And in, in essence, you know, going back to that poem, which lists a whole bunch of the dynamics of the universe that are attributes that we identify and give names, electricity, magnetism, light, sound, um, gravity, et cetera, consciousness. We come to realize they're all characteristics of this one thing, the one field, the one dynamic that is literally informing, bringing into form. Um, based upon the fact that it's all pulsating quantized, you know, into these quantization. And then when you get quantization, then you get resonances and ratios and fractal um, qualities. And you start to see how this one thing starts to express in all these different ways. And, uh, and that ultimately, yeah, it's, it's, foundationally based on that harmonic nature, harmonic structure and the harmonic system then that we have then called music and we apply in a certain range of what those harmonic um, ratios are that are pleasant to our ears and, and um, in all the ways that music can bring, um, enhance our experience and literally even bring healing to us. Um, so much now of what's happening in, and this is what's so exciting about this time, in, in, in medical innovation, in agricultural innovation, in uh, energy generating innovation, using resonance, using this harmonic knowledge, this har the understanding of how these harmonics work and how we can restore balance through the resonating, uh, whether it's an acoustical, um, energy that that helps to balance us electromagnetic magnetic um, all these technologies that are coming in now are absolutely remarkable and yet it makes so much sense you know it's really like okay it's going to work that way because as soon as we apply the knowledge and restore harmony everything goes yeah that feels better i feel better my system works better i'm you know and the environment is better and you know it's really pretty simple from that perspective and yet it's it really fun. is yeah yeah so when you've been living in dissonance for so long it sounds um revolutionary yeah 
<laughs> true. Right. And it is. <laughs> yeah, and it is. I, I'm in the beginning of this section on music, you you allude to this idea of uh, of um, of, a, of a music theory that's not yet, or, you know, that's not yet kind of published in the annuals of music theory. Um, it, 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 is this this is what you're referring to, isn't it? That's correct. Richard Merrick's work specifically, um, yeah. where he he really did a, a deep analysis of the interference patterns of um, like you'd have one tone and then you take the same tone, but then you so you double it, but then you you just go up the, in frequency, up the scale, the musical scale, and then you analyze the the interference patterns that create it that get created from that and once you have that picture and he 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 has um extrapolated that analysis across five scales of of these ratios and once you have that picture you um you um are able to uh apply that to um all you know basically everything at that point and so uh the the it's, it's, it's kind of a way of, of analyzing a music system without um, having to emphasize it in a musical context. For example, mm -hmm. you know, music theory. Music theory is, is a certain system of musical understanding that's in the context of songs and instruments and creating, composing and all that. And when you then take that and extract and really kind of analyze it for what it is, um, and then he also very much came to uh, identify what the role of the golden ratio is. This ratio of phi, mm. it's called one point six one eight, that's found all throughout nature, um, is foundational to making resonance even possible. And mm. so now you've got a whole broader perspective of. What is, what is this whole idea of a music theory that is actually informing the universe's, you know, resonating, creating processes? And just profound and, and uh, definitely not taught in music <laughs> schools yet. No. But I think it, it ought to be, yeah. No, but, but either is the concept of phi in our mathematics. You know, like, why in the world was that That's if I got out of too. high school mathematics? <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? you know, there are some scientists who called it the religion of five because they were very, you know, disturbed that there might be such a universal pattern that, you know, might suggest that there was some higher intelligence that somehow introduced that into this random chaotic system <laughs> that like, where did they come from? No, we don't want to look at that. And this is what I love right. about what Richard Merrick Richard Merrick really shows how it has actually a very specific function in the physics of the universe. And it was the first time I ever heard anybody describe that function in, in, you know, in, in the relationship to the, the vibratory dynamics um, of, the, of the phi ratio. And once you have that, again, it allows your mind to accept it. Whereas if you don't have it and you think it's some mystical strange divine ratio you know <laughs> the scientists are get a little nervous <laughs> at that point yeah yeah they don't like the idea of uh of any you know anything um 
any sort of higher power kind of idea that that's that just isn't going to resonate yeah. with them. an intelligent design of some sort. intelligent design right you you move on to um you you know kind of the before you kind of get into the human experience your last chapter um uh is um is on cymatics um mm -hmm. how come you chose to end with cymatics in the music section of the book yeah um yeah well because cymatics which is the the um the art and science of making visible the geometric patterns of vibration um whether it's in a liquid medium or sometimes in a powder or sand sand on yeah. a plate yeah where where you introduce the sound and the the resonating dynamics create these gorgeous beautiful highly symmetrical geometric patterns um which especially when you see it in in the the fluid ones you know, where they're using water typically um mm. you can very clearly see flower so you know threefold fivefold fourfold sixfold flower patterns that you see right in nature um there's one example i have in the book of a of a tomato and a cymatic yep. that um, my friend eric larson created that was just such a remarkable direct correlation to the, the whole form and patterning of the tomato i was and, I, and you know it's like that looks like a tomato let me put it there you know and it's just boom it's just almost perfect so you just yeah. get to see now that um you know in foundational to to the way i present cosmometry is that the physical universe is the acoustical aspect that you could call you know the sound it's the pressure compression um, dynamic that exists within the electromagnetic and is made of the electromagnetic as well and therefore the same dynamics we observe in cymatics would be at play and in, in the form and formation of, of you know the physical universe so uh, and you know the science of cymatics too. is yeah it's exactly right and it's the it's a window into well how does that work what are those dynamics you know when we introduce sound and we start to see these patterns and what does that tell us and what can we learn from it to to evolve uh, in whatever ways that's useful um, and and it's a new science it's really barely kind of gotten going as a as a true science because there's so many parameters you have to take into account to really analyze that uh, it's been more of an art and a discovery um, field but uh, nonetheless um, you know it's so important so that's why I, you know it's important to at least bring that into context within that part of the book yeah yeah i'm just going to hold it up for those of you that uh, have an opportunity to see the video that a, is um tomato. that's the tomato and that is the cymatic well that's the original cymatic i'm guessing that must be a colored version of it color that is just an overlay that's an overlay oh, of it's the an overlay. And the cymatic together yeah yeah it's literally yeah. just the two images put on top of each other there yeah yeah it's it's incredible um mm -hmm. um all right well as we wrap up you know the final chapter in the book is uh is consciousness in the human experience and um and i don't 
you know, I don't necessarily have any questions about it. I just was wondering if maybe you would leave us with um, with your thoughts on on um, on consciousness and the human experience. Mm. Sure, a <laughs> broad topic. No, 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 yeah. super narrow. <laughs> you, you only wrote 14 pages. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, it's um, the, the reason that's important to include is to have the whole, the, the model carried all the way through into what we call consciousness and what we experience in this human experience. Um, the, the great pioneering physicist David Bohm in his, his unifying model, which was not well embraced during his time by his colleagues, yet is absolutely, you know, he really, really got it right. He just hadn't, he hadn't formalized it into the physics per se. And yeah. he had to deal with a lot of people that didn't really want to listen to him during that time. But nonetheless, he said, in order to have a true unified model of wholeness, it must include consciousness, you know, as, as part of that unity. So the physical universe and the mental universe and what we call consciousness have to be a unified wholeness. And um, for, for, for a long time, in the past 100 years really in the in the since the, the quantum revolution occurred for a long time and even prior you know they call it the c word you know you don't want to talk about that don't don't try to address that hard problem of consciousness um, yeah. because it starts to bleed over into the mystical spiritual um, aspects that um, science has a hard time so far has a, had has had a bit of a hard time trying to reconcile um, it's trying when you when you have a model that um, foundationally has the information aspect, meaning you have this 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 Planck field, uh, this tiny little scale of fluctuations um, in in the unified physics model are can be considered the the, the base level bits of information it's an electromagnetic field and um, that then forms acoustically as in the model that i present you know into the material universe um, that the the attributes of intelligence and awareness and self-reflectivity and um you know that the the attributes of what we would call consciousness are found in the entire system of the universe and therefore what begets what becomes proposed is that what we experience you know the human experience of consciousness and intelligence and you know i i am aware that i'm aware as homo sapiens sapiens um, that is it's not an emergent property of the brain it's that the brain and the nervous system and the heart and the gut, that whole um, antenna of our electrical body is emergent from the field that is already intrinsically operating in the same, with the same attributes of what we call intelligence and consciousness. Yeah. And so we are, we are a manifestation and 
that because that exists at all scales, the the greater the complexity, the the greater the informational dynamic complexity is is developing to the point where that feedback loop you were talking about becomes conscious of itself. Yes. And yes. That's we, then you get this kind of conscious awareness that we recognize as being what we call consciousness. And so, um, so it's important that that is weaved into the whole story. Uh, again, so the mind can finally get it and connect to the heart that already knows it and the gut that, you know, doesn't lie to you. <laughs> it's like you right. know, it feels good or it doesn't feel good. You know? simple, and simple stuff. <laughs> simple, very simple stuff. The body is telling you the truth at all times. You know, the heart is yeah. is informing you of what an all that unified feeling um, nature is and and how to embrace it and accept it. And then the mind can say, yes, I see how this is all one and the same thing and how it's permeating through. And again, this is where you get a, it requires a, a model that can, can explain it basically. Right. So, um, so that the mind know, can begin to be in the, so the mind can, can accept the invitation to the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beautifully right. said. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I think, and I think Nassim's quote, you know, looking for consciousness in the brain is like looking for the radio announcer in the inside the radio. You know, um, um, I mean, not everybody believes that, you know, neuroscience is still trying to pursue that idea. But um, but that is the invitation. The invitation is, um, you know, um, you are conscious and you are consciousness and you are surrounded by a sea of consciousness and Mm -hmm. um and um your body and your heart aren't going to lie to you about that it's your egoic mind that must choose to be to cease its self-deception or um and and join the party right yeah yeah and that's the the threshold we're on at this time in our collective evolution is the this is the full realization of that yeah 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 that's, that's Jerry, it. do you do you have anything you wanna? I'm I'm just um I'm just so honored that you oh. are here <laughs> with us. I mean, <laughs> now I get to tell people that guess who I actually had an afternoon with. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I get to tell people that too. So <laughs> <laughs> It yes, is cool for you too. You. That's true. <laughs> it, it really is. Listen, these are these are my favorite conversations, and to to be with the two of you to to dive deeply into these with your already you know great understanding of this is is of the greatest pleasure for me. So, and an honor as well because you know we're all honored to be able to have this conversation and to do the part we are to bring this into the world. So um, I appreciate exactly the reflection right. of me in that way. And I, I certainly reflect that back to you guys. And thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me to into oh, the conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And I hope we can continue this conversation. There's just so much more to be had and so many different ways that we can bring this information to individuals who, and, and you know, just the masses, because we, yeah. we, Imagine what our world would be like if we viewed it 
in a different lens, the way that we talk about the interconnectedness to everything. And I just wanted to um, end with uh, Dr. Uh, Manu Aluli-Meyer. Uh, she talks about the energy that lives within us contains this transformational power that helps us to have the determination to dream of a future where we become more enlightened by reconnecting to the energy that ex already exists out there. It also helps us connect to our genealogical past and our ancestral wisdom, which then can set the course and the trajectory for us to have greater confidence to challenge the status quo. So thank you so much for helping us challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 It's like a, you know, that strange attractor where we can put this out and say, ah, and that's where we know where we're heading. Yes. And just let ourselves be drawn into it and invite our world to do so. Exactly. Uh, exactly. That's exactly it. It's an invitation. Well, as we close out, um, we want to thank Marshall for joining us again today for um, an awesome conversation. This really is uh, um, some of our favorite conversations to have. And um, and so next uh, the next podcast, we're going to have um, Meredith Sands Keeter on board. And so we will be um, continuing this uh, this form of conversation in the form of body work and and healing. Um, if you're interested in joining any of the workshops that Jerry and I are, are currently doing, we've got a couple coming up that you can check out um, through Leadership Snohomish County, and you can go to their website, leadershipsnohomishcounty.com. Um, you will find um, Healing the Colonized Mind. You can also find that at healingthecolonizedmind.eventbrite.com, healingthecolonizedmind.eventbrite.com. It is a... Um, three Friday, um, four hour session, uh, where we're going to be talking about um, personal decolonization. And we'll be doing a whole systems leadership program in the fall with leadership Snohomish County as well. Um, we'll also be at uh, Step Up 2022. Again, that can be found at leadership Snohomish County uh, website, um, which is April 29th. And we'll be doing a small introduction to healing the colonized mind. Um, where you can you can join us and see if it's something that would interest you. Uh, if you're interested in supporting this podcast or seeing the video version of it, it will be on Patreon, and that is at patreon.com backslash plowline. And you can find us at uh, any of our social media sites, which are at plowline. Thanks again, Marshall. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation with you both. All right. Thank you, Marshall. Bye, everybody. Until next soon. time. Aloha. Aloha. Mm -hmm.